Most girls dream of their wedding day from an early age. I was no exception. I pictured the long white dress, the multi-layered cake, the bouquets of flowers so sweet I could almost smell them as I stood there as a little girl, looking in the mirror, wearing an oversized white sheet I stole from the linen closet, held tight to my body with as many elastics and hair clips and makeshift belts as I could find, adorned with my mother's most glamorous costume jewelry. I dreamt of throngs of people cheering and throwing rice as I left the chapel hand in hand with my handsome groom. You have full confidence as a child that your life will play out like it does in the fairy tales you grew up watching and that you will get that happy ending with your Prince Charming. And for those lucky few, some modern day, more realistic version of that movie magic does come true. I consider myself and today's guest, Sandra Higginbotham, to be part of those lucky few. We met, fell in love, and married our Prince Charmings, Matt and Ryan. But of course, life does not always follow the basic formula of fairy tales, and what we learn as we become adults is that after the honeymoon is over and real life begins, that there will be ups and downs. And the scenarios from the vows you repeated through smiling teeth just might come to fruition and put the strength of your relationship to the test, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, all the days of my life. Real life can be hard. Marriage can be hard. Illness can be hard. But what makes it all possible to get through is true love, mixed with mutual respect, hard work, and a commitment to yourself and to your significant other to try your best each day. I think I can speak for Sandra when I say, we could have searched the world, but we could never have found more perfect partners to be by our sides on this journey called life. This episode is for our Prince Charmings. May we live our versions of happily ever after. Shining like a work of art, hanging on a wall of stars. Are you what I think you are? You're Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited you're on. And to let everyone know, this interview will be a little bit less of an interview and a little bit more of a conversation. Sandra and I are both in a very similar position as we are both married to men with cystic fibrosis or CF, as we may refer to it in this episode. Sandra is married to Matt. And I am married to Ryan. So before we get into our convo, Sandra, why don't you give everyone a little bio about yourself? Yeah. So um, my name is Sandra Higginbotham, maiden name Montoya. Um, I was born and raised in Rhode Island. I have five brothers and I uh, went to school for accounting. So I do that today. Um, I work for a company here in Rhode Island as well. And um, I am the mother of two French bulldogs. And like Caitlin said, I am married to Matt, who has cystic fibrosis. Yes. And I guess since I am going to be part of this interview now, I'll give a little bio. Yes. Even though you've all been hearing my voice for days <laughs> on end now. But my name is Caitlin Corey, and I'm married to Ryan Corey, Matt's cousin. 
Um, so Sandra and I are cousins by marriage. I like to consider it still cousins. <laughs> um, Ryan and I started dating when I was 21. We've been married for eight years. We live in LA. Ryan is an actor. I am an executive assistant, a nanny, a podcast host. I'm on the board of a nonprofit organization called the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, which provides music therapy for children who have suffered loss and trauma. And today, Sandra and I are going to talk about the loves of our lives and talk about what it is like to be a wife of a man with CF. So should we just dive in, Sandy? Let's do it. Let's do um, it. I know that um, we kind of want to talk about how we even found out about CF. So do you want to kick it off? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think Sandra and I have this in common. Neither of us knew what CF was before we met the guys. And I know for me, Ryan told me um, that he had CF about five months into dating. We were juniors in college and, you know, you're young and you just think everything's great and you don't really know so much about the world yet. And I remember we were at a party actually at Matt and Ryan's house in college and it was the middle of a, you know, you can picture it, college party, solo cups, beer (laughs) pong, the whole nine yards. Perfect setting. Exactly. Where you have all your deep conversations with your future husband. And um, Ryan asked me if we could you know, go upstairs and chat in his room. And, you know, I know another thing Sandra and I share we'll get into is anxiety. And so uh, being a little anxious when your boyfriend of, you know, four or five months says that he wants to have a talk with you upstairs. So we went up to his room and Ryan describes it as a mix of it just having to be time to tell me and liquid courage. And he just (laughs) had to get it off his chest. And he told me, that he has an illness called cystic fibrosis. And I said, well, what does that mean? What is that? And so I didn't know, you know, if that's something really serious or something not so serious, manageable. I had no, no clue. So he gave me a, a brief description, which didn't really answer many of the questions that were rushing through my mind. But nevertheless, he said, you know, the reason why it was so difficult, I think, is because I also knew Matt in college. And Ryan told me, at the, you know, at the same time that Matt also has it and that Jeff has it, who I had not met yet. And so I was really taken aback, surprised, shocked, scared, all the emotions you can imagine. And, you know, understandably so, being newly 21 years old, I was really upset. I left the party, just didn't, like, didn't <laughs> handle it maturely. Um, I think I was crying. My friends and I left. And then I made the mistake of Googling it. And I think that's where it got really scary because Google is not your friend. (laughs) When you are worried about something or learning about an illness, it can be really clinical, really scary, really overwhelming. So I went down that road. Yeah. And I think we probably experienced very similar. I mean, mine wasn't at a party, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I was, I remember, I think we were maybe a month or two in, like pretty early on um, in our dating. But we were on a date. And I think looking back, I feel like he might have been nervous to tell me because he kept it super vague. He said he had cystic fibrosis, that it was a disease that affects parts of his body, that he takes meds every day. And then, like you said, I had never heard of it before. So when Matt told me for the first time, I didn't even know what questions to ask. So it was a very one-sided conversation. He was again very vague about it and then that was kind of it I said okay and then we proceeded on our date but then I did the same thing as you Caitlin where as soon as I got home I just googled everything right and and then that's when kind of specific words jump out at you like you hear shortened life expectancy you hear like possibility of lung transplant you hear infertility you hear about so many or you read about so many different things and I was in my early 20s too. So it's very hard to process that at such an early age. And like, what does that mean for the future? So how did you, um, when you did go your route of Googling, what did you do after finding out? Like, how did you process all of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Like, it's so hard to process at that age. You're young, you're in a totally different mindset than of course we are now. And I just think I I called my mom. My mom and I are super close. I know you are too with your mom. And mm-hmm. I I just like laid it out all, all like all on her. You know how you do. You just like unload, vent. And she's <laughs> like taking it all in. I'm telling my friends. 
I think I was just like really freaked out, like all those things you said, life expectancy. And and even though I don't think I was like entirely thinking about the rest of my life yet, of course, when you're dating someone in college, you, you do wonder and think, where is this going to go? And I didn't date like a ton. So I, you know, being four or five months into a relationship was pretty serious for me. And, you know, I was falling in love with Ryan and I did want to be with him. And you do those things you do where you picture the future and, and you, yeah. And like, I think it forced me sort of to make a decision, which I'm sure you had to do the same. It's like, am I able to handle this? Do I want to do this? Like, you know, of course now, like so many years later, it's like, of course I was going to do it. But in that moment, like, to be honest, there, I did have those thoughts, like, can I handle this? Like, I'm a very anxious, nervous person. I had a lot of loss in my life up until that point. I was scared. So I just had to do some like real introspection, some reflection and say like, you know, am I going to be able to handle this? Yeah. And I think that's the route that, that I went in terms of like kind of processing it all, but I wanted to keep it all kind of to myself. I didn't want any outside influences when I was making my decision. I just wanted to kind of process everything and really decide if, if, like you said, if it was something that like I could handle, because I mean, you're just meeting this person. Like for me, I, I knew that I really liked Matt, but I, it was just a, a, a lot to take in. So I think what it came down to for me was like, here's this person. I knew that Matt and I instantly clicked. And here's this person that I knew could be someone so special in my life. And do I give that all away for the uncertainty of the future? And so I think to me, I was just like, well, why not like try this? Let's give it a shot. And I think too, like I said before, we were, we were so young that in my mind, I think there was a naive element to it where it's like, well, the future is super far away and um, we'll tackle it as it comes. But like right now, here's this guy who's like so special and, and treats me so right. So why would I give that up? Totally. And the word naive is like peppered in all my notes when I think about how, you know, this story came to be in our journey. I have naive written in every area, you know, I was naive when he told me what it was. I was naive as I was learning. Same thing with you. The future seems so far away when you're 21, 22 years old and you think you can handle anything and that you can tackle it. And, and maybe, I don't know if this happened to you, but I read like the infertility stuff and it said like 98% of men. So I thought maybe we could be in the 2%. Yes. Yeah. Like you hold on to those hopes and it's great. Like when you can think that way and then life, of course, life experience changes your view on things and you, you know, as you grow up, you learn more, you mature. But yeah, I think naivete was like a big part of my journey for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think those were all the same things that I had in my mind. And I think it's not until you start experiencing these things that then reality sets in. So what was kind of your first like experience with with kind of the reality of Ryan CF? Well, it's funny because my first like brush with it being as serious as it is, because Ryan was very healthy, you know, in college and he was hospitalized in that short time before he told me. So I did visit him in the hospital um, during those first few months, but he told me he was in for pneumonia because he just wasn't ready to share. So I had no fear in that hospital visit. You know, I just came for the day and just spent like a few hours there and I thought nothing of it. Well, then Ryan wasn't hospitalized. That was in 2008. And then he wasn't hospitalized again until 2013 when we were married. So I had it very easy as far as Ryan. I think the first brush with it being as serious as it is was always through Jeff. And I remember Ryan had told me, you know, that night at the party that Jeff at that point had had two lung transplants. And I said, oh my God, like, is that going to happen to you? Because of course, like you, I didn't know Jeff. So you selfishly think of your situation and your person that you love. And he's like, no, like we can't worry about that stuff. But then, yeah, the first time that it was very serious to me was through Jeff because everybody went, you know, they got the call and everybody left for the third lung transplant. And I stayed home with Mary. And I remember like I was, you know, supposed to watch her while everyone went to Cleveland. And that was my first time being like, this is serious. Because again, even just being young and naive, Jeff having had two transplants because they were in the past, I was like, okay, he's good now. Like he's had his transplants. That's amazing. Like that's so inspiring, but okay, he's good now. So when that third transplant came, I was like, oh, 
this is like real life and real people that we love. And it's just hard. Yeah, because I, I do think it's it's one thing to to hear about all the experiences and then to witness it. Totally. I think for me, so when I came into the picture, Jeff had already had the third double lung transplant. So he was very healthy and Matt was was healthy as well. It wasn't until we got married or kind of closer to our wedding that Matt's health kind of started to decline. And I remember that was around the same time that Jeff also started to get really sick. And so we had actually made a transition. Matt had been going to Rhode Island his whole life uh, for treatment. And we had made the transition to Boston Children's. And we had went to Boston Children's just to have like almost a routine visit with a new doctor, just to go over, you know, like um, the history of Matt with CF and, and where he is today. And when the doctor looked at all those notes, she felt like Matt should be admitted pretty quickly. And so that was like a shock for for us. I had never experienced Matt even being admitted into the hospital. And we weren't expecting that visit to go that way. So she kind of threw a lot of information at us. And I remember being super scared of what that meant. And at that time, Jeff and Ellen Ann were actually in Cleveland. So it was definitely a moment where I was like, oh, okay, so like this could really be something. I don't know. I, I knew it was serious, but I think when you experience that like first time of like him gearing up to go into the hospital, I think it just changes your mentality of like, okay, like this is what I have to deal with or what we have to deal with as a couple. And how do we navigate through this new experience we've never had to deal with before? And so I remember I'm very much of a, I try to grasp to, anything that I can control when I feel like everything's out of control. And so I remember Googling, like, uh, what do CF patients bring to hospital stays? Just like anything that I could find online, right? I remember like running into a YouTuber who has CF and she was like, bring your treatment vest because um, you'll need that. And so we were just kind of packing like comfort items and things we would need. And then I remember like actually getting there and then everything was just so new to me. So like Matt getting his pick line for the first time and nurses in and out of the room, doctors doing their rounds, just like everything was just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know like what they're saying. Like, what are these beeps? So I, I felt very overwhelmed. I think, thank goodness for Ellen Ann, because I would call her every morning when I woke up and I would, we'd come up like with a game plan of, okay, what do I need to ask the doctors? Like, what does she want to know that will like help with what the treatment plan is going to be? And then once the doctors would come and do their rounds, then I would call Ellen Ann back and then we'd go over everything that the doctor said. And then what's like the game plan for the next day. So I think that it was so vital to have her as like a guide through all of it, even though she was far away, because I didn't want to constantly ask Matt because I mean, being this, the patient, I didn't want to bombard him with all these questions. Like I kind of wanted him to focus on his health and his mental state. So it was definitely great to have kind of someone in your corner that you could go to. Oh, absolutely. Ellen Ann is like the perfect person and like mentor for, for this because she's been doing it for so, so long. I know that for me, Ryan went into the hospital in 2013 when we came home from LA. We were already married, living in LA, and he we went home for Christmas. And he he was visiting with his family in Rhode Island. I was visiting with my family in Boston. And, you know, I'd speak to Tony on the phone, you know, checking in, how's Ryan? She'd be like, he's actually not feeling good. And I remember um, I went to Rhode Island to go meet them for like the day after Christmas or something. And Ryan, I just saw him and I was like, oh my God, like you look awful. And it's like the same thing you're saying, like it was so scary. You're like, what is happening? And so he was admitted in Rhode Island. We didn't even live there. And I remember that hospital visit wasn't so scary because I had everyone's support. So Sue and George are visiting, Ryan's parents are visiting and, you know, Ellen and, and Steve are visiting. Everyone's visiting. My own family was able to come. So I didn't really have that feeling that you had until the first time Ryan was hospitalized in LA because then it was like that same thing where it's like just it was just him and just me and you know everyone was far away like the way Ellen was far away for you during that time everyone was far away for us during that time and I remember the same thing it's like I remember I said to Ryan 
looking back on it now, because now I feel like a pro this many years later, but when this happened in 2017, when he went in, in LA, I don't even think I brought a wallet. I brought my cell phone. It was just like you said, like just a visit. Like, oh, well, just Ryan has a doctor's appointment today. We've been doing this for literally 10 years from since 2007. Like, it'll be fine. So now it's 2017 and, and the same thing. We went in, he wasn't really feeling well, but I was, again, so spoiled with Ryan CF. Like, he wasn't hospitalized a ton and the same thing they're like oh you're staying and so they you know usher you to the room same thing doctors coming in and out pick line I had never you have to leave the room I had never experienced anything like that and I remember feeling like oh my gosh this is so scary like this is so overwhelming and you're right like you didn't want to ask Matt I didn't want to ask Ryan because they don't feel well like they're already not feeling well they're already getting poked and prodded and so you sort of have to like navigate and thank God for Tony and Ellen Ann because you know I I feel like I can call them both and and they'll give different, you know, ideas, questions to ask and, and what to look for because I didn't know, just like you didn't know. Like, we don't know what to ask. White blood cells, I don't know. Like, Yeah, going down, going up. <laughs> yeah. We're just sort of figuring it out. Yeah. yeah, like, is up good, is down good? I don't know. And so I just remember, like, walking into this room in 2017 and I was like, she's like, this is where you're going to, you know, this is going to be your home for two weeks. And I was just, like, stunned because, you know, I heard about it, of course, so much with Jeff and like even Matt being hospitalized a few times and then like but it was never Ryan so I never really saw it a ton and then from 2017 to 2019 he was hospitalized five times you know it was going in every three months like I remember Matt and Ryan were almost like on the same schedule like they were going in at the same time a lot do you remember that like that was crazy yeah I do because it would be like the day before Matt would be go to a visit and then they would say he had to be admitted. And then the next day it would be like, Oh, Ryan's also admitted. And we're like, what's going on? Like we had, we had so many years of it not being that. So it was definitely such a crazy time. And I think knowing what you know now, how does it feel now kind of gearing up for a stay versus how it felt back then? Yeah. Well, it's exactly opposite to be honest like I went in with my cell phone and not even my own pair of keys like Ryan and I went and we got admitted now I have it down to like a science which I'm sure you do too like sadly but it's good that we've learned so now even if Ryan's even remotely feeling under the weather I plan for the worst I plan for the two-week tune-up I pack our comfort items like you said comfy clothes snacks Gatorades, things that you don't want to buy at the hospital cafeteria 50 times. I'm like, I'm not going to that vending machine and buying individual Gatorades, waters. Like you learn exactly what to bring. You're prepared. You check in with work. I know for me, the family that I work for is so, so understanding. They're so compassionate and they're so kind when it comes to Ryan being in the hospital. They always just tell me to go, stay with him. They allow me so much time, which I'm so grateful for, especially being out here with just the two of us. We do have a small support system. My brother's out here. I have an uncle out here and they'll help, you know, they'll come give me, you know, a release so that I can leave and go do laundry, go, you know, regroup, take a shower, um, little things. So now I sort of feel like I have it a little bit more down to a science. Do you feel like now you're more prepared? Do you bring that overnight bag when you go to Boston and he's not feeling good? So it kind of varies. Matt has this thing where he feels like if he brings it, it will definitely happen. Um, so we've done it. I think we've, we started doing it when we knew like, okay, the reality is there's, there's a higher chance that you're going in. And the same thing, like I pack like his cereal, everyone knows Matt's obsessed with cereal. So I pack boxes of like his favorite cereal, like I know what clothes he likes to wear in in the hospital, just like all the things, right? Because now you've done it for so long that those things are less overwhelming. I think in terms of my mental state, I think that's tougher to control. Like I think that that really, I mean, every time that Matt goes into the hospital, I have a period of just being a mess because I don't get to be with him. And I think even if I was there, I would still be just sad, right? Because you never want to see like a loved one just being so sick. So the mental state really varies on the, on how sick Matt gets. And so that's been tougher to kind of control. But yeah, and I, and I know you've mentioned before where, where we both deal with anxiety. And so to me, my anxiety is obviously heightened every time that Matt stays. And so it's trying to find ways to lessen that by 
doing things like I, I want to pack for him because I feel like if I pack for him, he won't forget anything that he needs. And so that lessens it for me. Being able to check in with Ellen Ann, who uh, we're lucky enough to have stay with Matt during his days when I can't, she checks in with me like in the morning and the afternoon because he's so busy doing all of his treatments and getting all like the nurses that come in and out. So it's tough for us to really connect until nighttime when it when everything kind of dies down. So it's like kind of being there without being there lessens my anxiety. How do you feel like you cope when all of it is is happening to you? You feel so out of control that you just try to find little tangible things that you can do. Like you said, like packing for them, bringing them their favorite snacks, having everything to make it as comfortable as possible because you know that it's gonna be uncomfortable. You know they're gonna get poked, prodded, you know, asked a million questions. Right when they fall asleep, someone else is gonna come in. Like there's no such thing as rest at the hospital as we know. And I think because the mental side of it is so hard, I think you and I are similar in that we try to do those physical things, you know, make it a little more comfortable, make it a little easier. But as far as the mental side, it's hard, you know, because like you said, you're a mess when they go in because it's your person, you know, and you don't want to see them in pain. And if the tables were turned, they would be a mess seeing us in that state. So I think that's just like inevitable. But I think the more that Ryan went in, I was able to sort of like take it slow, like tell my anxiety to take a back seat as hard as that is, like trying to put myself in Tony and Ellen Ann's shoes, right? Like they always advocated for the boys and they still do. And so I was like, okay, I have to be more like that. I can't be like the little girl with anxiety anymore. Like I have to be a wife, a partner, an advocate. I sort of like put this pressure on myself and I know that might sound bad, but it actually helps me with my anxiety because it makes me be stronger. When we first went to the hospital, I would never know what to ask. I would never talk. I would be just super polite and quiet and just let everything sort of happen and I was letting everything wash over me. Now I try to be more focused. I try to be more um, assertive. I try to be more of an advocate. Like I'll speak up and I'll say, you know, when is this happening? And and I try, try to like, you know, stay on top of what's happening, what his updates are. And I sort of tried to like make myself grow up if that makes sense like I couldn't be that young person anymore who's relying on the moms I try I'm trying still <laughs> to like become that person that they are like to be that person who will speak up still politely of course but like get things done and be there for Ryan so that he can find strength in me because I think before I hate to say this I think I was like relying on him for strength and he was the one going through it right and I'm like okay I can't do this like this isn't fair to him to have to also be making sure I'm okay. Like I have to switch this around. I have to be the person who's the strong one so that he can fall apart. And so I'm still learning, of course. It's like a work in progress. I'll probably never have it 100% right, but I'm trying, you know, because it can be very emotionally and mentally draining, taxing, and it's just hard. Like I don't know that it ever gets any easier. I think it's just as hard as that day that we both walked into the first hospital visit, but now we're just a little bit more equipped with experience. Exactly. I think you made such a good point is like, it is in those cases where when they are at their sickest too, and maybe they don't have the energy to ask all the questions that they should be asking. Now that we we know, and we have um, kind of Ellen Ann and Tony that have guided us to be able to ask those questions. And now we know more about, about cystic fibrosis. I feel like it is kind of our responsibility too to, to make sure we know what's happening and, and, and be helpful and be their partner. So I think that's such a good point. And I think for me too, the times where I, I do stay over, usually it's on weekends because like my work schedule and, and we have like the two dogs. So it's tougher to, to stay with him every day. But um, we try to find the normal moments within the hospital environment. So I'll bring food up, like some of our favorite foods, or I'll, um, we have like takeout places that we know we love or hate. So we'll like order takeout, we'll watch TV, watch movies, we'll uh, bring board games. So it's like things where it's like, I think that helps me to make it feel more like, okay, it's just like the two of us, we can do this. It makes things less scary because we're like laughing and, and it just, yeah. Yeah. It like normalizes it. It normalizes it. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. Because I think that, well, first of all, I think that's a testament to you and Matt's relationship. You know, you can make it comfortable and homey anywhere. And I know Ryan and I try to do the same thing. You know, the first time I went, 
I didn't bring a computer, nothing, an iPad. So we were stuck watching the cable that's on the little teeny TV. And we got into Celebrity Big Brother because that's just what was on. And it would like play four nights a week. The same thing, like would try to find like a little schedule, like a little routine. Like I would wake up in the morning and I would take a walk to Starbucks and I'd bring him back a treat. He'd be doing his meds. Like you find some sort of groove and then there'd be like a certain part of the night. Same thing where we'd get takeout, whether my brother brought it or my uncle or we just ordered it to the hospital. And then, you know, we kind of like got in our PJs and like still kind of had a night. And, and I think that's sort of the only way to survive. Sometimes it's up to like people I think realize now the tune-ups can sometimes be up to like 14 days. And I think that's the only way to make it somewhat normal and to be like, so you don't go insane. And so you're not sad the whole time. You sort of have to find like your little moments of fun, as crazy as that sounds. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot that goes into CF. The boys do meds for several hours a day, every day. There's no days off. You know, it sort of eliminates a lot of room for spontaneity. A lot of things I'm sure at your household, the same as mine, have to be planned out. You know, you're going to do your meds before we go or after we get back. Like sort of everything revolves around CF in a way. And I'm sure now after this many years for you, it feels normal. It's like you're normal. Same with us. It's our normal. And sometimes, you know, the boys might feel sick for a few days and then be hospitalized for two weeks and then come home and still be sort of not feeling great for a few days. So sometimes a whole month can get eaten up by a hospital stay. I think people don't realize that. It's like a week before the hospital and a week after to sort of bookend the two-week stay. So, you know, sometimes we're going like a whole month where CF is the whole focus of life. So how has CF sort of like tested your relationship and how do you guys rise above those tests? Yeah, so I think the past few years, Matt has been, I mean, before this year, Matt had been the sickest that I'd ever seen seen him and he'll tell you it's the sickest he's ever been in his life. And to your point, right, it, it was like that. So it was, Matt will be in bed all day for weeks on end and then that followed by an admission then he'd come home for like three weeks a month and then still not feel well and then have to go either back to bed or back to the hospital so it is you spend so much time kind of in that vicious cycle when they're not feeling well that it's easy to feel disconnected like kind of things like spinning out of control a bit you have to step into you're obviously a wife, but now you've become a caretaker. And like, how do you navigate through that? Because I, I want to be a wife, but then I want him to feel better. I know how Matt feels when he's sick. And I know the mental and physical drain that it takes on him. And then I'm left and I hate to even, this is where I struggle, right? Because I hate to complain or feel like, feel disconnected because you're not seeing this person or I'm not seeing Matt. Really, it could be for a month if if his hospital stay coupled with the fact that he wasn't feeling well for, for a whole week. So I'm not seeing him continuously. He's not seeing me. And then it's the pressures of now I have like a household to take care of, dogs to look after. I'm worried about Matt. If he's in bed, I'm, I'm trying to push him to get out of bed. So it's like becoming or being a wife and then being a caretaker and, and how far do you push and that fine balance between both. I think has really has really tested our relationship because it's just such a new territory that we had never been in before but i think with maturing as a couple and 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 experiencing unfortunately experiencing more and more of these situations i think that the way that we deal with it now is very different than the way we dealt with it before where now i know when matt's sick he he wants to be pushed but also wants to be left alone. So like, I know that I, I want to push him to get out of bed. But if that means like he'll get out of bed two or three hours later, then I have to be okay with that. And, and he knows how stressed and how I feel pressure to, to take in all of these new things because I don't have him. So I think just in knowing that he knows how stressed out I am, adds some comfort to it as well. Because we know like where we're we're coming from and we know that we're coming from like a good place and and we're just trying to like get through it together. I think again that all comes with growing up and 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 learning patience and communicating during those times when everything is just kind of spiraling. 
Totally. I think communication is like the main word that jumps out at me because I think, you know, I feel similar, like, you know, and it's only sort of been in that five-year range, the last five years. Before that, I have to say Ryan was very lucky in his CF. He was in great health, that we had very few worries or things to deal with but the last five years has been very different and I think you're right like you're sort of wanting to be a wife and all that that means but then you want to be a caretaker because you're a very empathetic person I like to think I'm a very empathetic person as well so you want to take care of your spouse you love them so much and you want to push them because you know that that's sort of what they need to feel better like they're never gonna feel better being in bed but it's, it's like communication, right? Because if they're not feeling good and you're pushing too hard and then they might be not feeling good and they might snap at you and then it's like this, you know, then it becomes between you. And it can, like you said, really test your relationship because now it's not really about CF. Now we're like arguing because I'm pushing you and you don't feel good, so you're snappy and I'm scared, so I'm snappy. And, and then it's just sort of like you have to not let it come between you. I always try to like remind us, and of course it takes like a million arguments and a million <laughs> different things to get there, but it's like, we are both battling against CF. We can't be arguing about it. Like, I know you don't feel good. You know I'm anxious and worried. But, like, we have to sort of figure out a way to communicate in a way that we both feel comfortable and that we're still respecting each other's boundaries and, and ways of doing things. And it's hard because the lines, I think, do get blurred, you know, between wife and caretaker, especially where you were in that vicious cycle for so long where it's not just the hospitalizations. Because for Ryan, I have to say it was more just the hospitalizations and that would be home and then would be okay. But I know Matt had a different experience where like it was still being happening at home, like being in bed. And so I think that's like a whole other layer. And I do think that when someone in a relationship has an illness like this, I could see how people get break up and, and you know how it could take such a toll on the relationship that you can't save it. But I think you have to work actively to have the struggles bring you closer together and tether you together and make your bond stronger. Otherwise, I think if you're just feeling this way and they're just feeling this way and you're not communicating, you'll just continue to keep floating because CF, we know, is progressive. There's going to be more days like this as much as we don't want there to be. There could very well be more days like this, so we have to learn to make it work, if that makes sense. It does, and yeah, I think it's all a learning experience, and you're right. you can very easily let it go the other way. And we're fortunate enough that we both, I mean, obviously we love each other so much, but we are constantly reevaluating our relationship when we're constantly reassessing and figuring out like what's working for both of us. And I know we've had like long discussions about just like, I mean, obviously we don't have them right when he's feeling at his sickest, right? Because I don't think that's productive either. It's like kind of kicking him while he's down but we definitely when we're able to have full-on conversations of like everything we felt like what we can do moving forward and I think that's helped us a lot kind of building our foundation but also kind of having a a point of reference right when this happens again what worked what didn't work and so I think that's super important or it has been super important in our relationship and and the reason why we're stronger today than we were when we first got married. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's key is like, you know, everyone works really hard and pours everything into their work. And I think we have to take sort of those same elements that you bring to the workplace and bring that into your relationship. Like, just like you were saying, what works? What doesn't work? What should we leave by the wayside? What will help us for next time? It is just a learning curve. I think it's always going to be a work in progress. Like, I know I never get it all the way right, and I probably will never. But yeah, it's like, oh, that was so bad. I'm not going to go down that road again. Or that was great. And that was really helpful. I'm going to do more of that. I think that's part of it. I know for me, I don't know if we're, you know, because you and I haven't really discussed this a ton. For Ryan and I, family planning is always like a very sensitive subject for us. And that was like a big strain, I would say, on our relationship when we did do IVF in 2015. It was before all the hospitalizations and, and sort of like the first event that like set this whole last five years in motion, you know, with Jeff, with Matt being so sick, with Ryan and Matt being hospitalized, like in that cycle. And I know that um, going through that journey of IVF, again, going back to the college days when I was reading about it on Google, first of all, I thought I would be in 2%, you know, (laughs) 98% infertile, but there's that 2%. So when that went out the window, then I said, okay, well, we do IVF. And there was the naivete again. You just do IVF and then you just have a baby. Done, done, perfect. Well, what I didn't take into account because you don't when you don't have the experience is the financial burden is the emotional and mental and physical drain that IVF 
takes on your body and puts your relationship through, especially when things don't go the way you planned. And I think for us, family planning is like a very sensitive subject. And I know that Ryan feels very guilty. I think that's something that he carries with him in our relationship. We discuss that a lot is he feels very guilty because he thinks that he put me in a position to not be a mom when he knows that's something that I've always wanted to be. And I feel like I'm always trying to reassure him that I had all the facts going into this marriage and like it was the choice I made and I wouldn't you know, change anything because I want to be with him. But I, I know for us, family planning is a big like sore spot for us and sensitive subject. Do you ha- find that in your relationship? Yeah, so, so this is a recent conversation that we've been having. I think when we were potentially going to start talking about kids is when Matt got really, really sick. So within like the past five years, but now that he's feeling better for the past year, I want to say he's been feeling better. It's definitely something that has come up more. I think we go back and forth. So we're in this like back and forth phase. I don't know if you and Ryan went through it where I know that Matt feels his fear. And he tells me all the time is one, not being able to be 100% present in the child's life, like in and out of hospital stays, as you said, like the disease is progressive. So what does that mean for the future if we have a child? And also, he doesn't want to put extra burden on me. So he feels if we have a, a baby, and then all of a sudden, he's not feeling well, then it's an extra person now in our lives that I now have to take care of. And so I know that he he really struggles with that. And I know he's mentioned wanting to reach out to other CF dads to kind of get their perspective. We haven't done that yet. I think obviously like he really started feeling well. We had these conversations and then quarantine hit and we're kind of like in a lull right now. But yeah, I just, it's hard, right? Because all his fears are super valid. And I, and I understand where he's coming from. I just want to make sure that it, when, when the time comes that we're going to have a baby, it's a decision that we make that makes sense for us. And if we don't have a baby, we're not making that decision out of fear. We, we want to make sure we're in the same page with it, I guess. That makes total sense. You know, I, I think the last thing you said is like so profound. You know, you don't want the only reason you don't do it is out of fear for the future. Because, you know, think about the days when Matt was so sick. And then I think about... On Mary's wedding night when he was feeling so great on his new med and it's like oh this could be the rest of Matt's life like we don't know the future so definitely it's it's so hard not to make decisions based on fear but you know I guess it's sort of like at what point do you let go and right. try yeah and just have faith and yeah and it's tough because I I know like wholeheartedly that Matt would make like such an amazing dad so I think that's where it gets like a little tougher and so I do think, right, and and I, I never want Matt to feel guilty, like you said, Ryan does, because I think that both of us were informed, and by the time that we married them, we knew fully what life potentially could be like, right, and we decided to, to do it anyways, and I think that I feel very complete being with Matt, and so having a, a baby would just be like like the cherry on top, I guess, of our relationship, so I don't I don't feel a a void, but I just know that he would just be such an amazing father. And if, and if we could have a baby, like, I mean, it's hard not to think of like the, the what ifs of what could happen, you know? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I'm, I'm sort of glad I did IVF when I did, because I think I would have a much harder time doing it now because I've been through it. And because I know how that feels I think I could only do it back then because I was naive. And sometimes I think being naive has sort of helped me in life because, you know, I still continued to date Ryan. I got married with full faith. I went forward with IVF and I did a lot of things because I didn't know better. And it was sort of better that I didn't know better. But now because IVF was so heartbreaking and painful, not physically, um, emotionally, mentally, And then because so much has happened since then, like I said, like that sort of in our world, like our perception of our family and our life, that's where everything just went sort of like so downhill from there. And now it's like, I don't know if I could ever get back on the horse, so to speak. Like it was like easier back then because I didn't know any better. But now I feel like could my heart 
handle that again. I don't know. Because that was another loss. And so I just remember um, Ryan battles, you know, depression. And, you know, he didn't have um, like a depressive episode in a really long time. And then when we did IVF, I remember I was so heartbroken. And I felt like Ryan like wasn't as heartbroken as I was. And I couldn't understand but of course, nothing makes sense until after, right? And you can look back on it and hindsight is twenty twenty. And as soon as I was coming out of that like tunnel of de- depression of my own, he went into his. And so I was like, oh no, like I'm just starting to feel better. Now you're going to go in. And he's like, I was waiting for you to feel better so that I could grieve it. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, I mean, we've suffered so much loss in our family and like nothing will ever be the same, you know, since Jeff but we do have to have some hope for better days. And with Matt and Ryan being on their new med, I do have hope for like better and fun days ahead or good days ahead, not better because you know we can never go back, but good days ahead. And sometimes I get fearful of doing IVF again because can we both handle that again? Like the, the what ifs and the loss and, and, it, and it's hard to talk about and like to go through these sorts of things and it is hard. It's a big decision. So when you say that you and Matt have long discussions, I think that's like so key because it's like not something to be taken lightly and it's hard. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, who knows what obviously the future will bring. And it's so amazing that, that you both tried um, because I think that alone is just, uh, it's such a tough decision to make. Yeah. And I think your idea to reach out to other um, CF patients who have children is like a phenomenal idea because I know Ryan has a really amazing team here at USC and um, one member of our team is a social worker, Martha, and she is a big help to me because she provides me with like grief therapy. She offers like so many resources. She's so amazing and I know you love your doctor too and like sometimes I feel like I say to Ryan, I joke like I think sometimes they make me feel like you're their only patient because they spend so much time like thinking about you and talking about you and coming up with resources. And that's a great way to feel, you know, if every patient feels like they're the only patient, it really feels like you're getting that good attention. And, you know, when we were toying maybe before the quarantine with the idea of maybe trying again, she was like on it. She was connecting us with these men. You know, I think it was more specific toward men with CF who have babies because it is a different journey for women and men. So she was connecting us with these men who have three and four kids and, And so that really like renewed a hope in me. I like to hope that going into the IVF and the family planning again will be like us at the hospital, right? The first time you didn't know what to expect. It was scary. It was new. You didn't have the facts. You were naive. But now when we go to the hospital, we pack the bag, we bring the cereal, we get the takeout. So I hope that I'll be stronger going into it if I did it again. And I hope that life experience is going to make me stronger. And like you said, not make decisions based on fear. So I'm hoping that I can do that, but I'm a very flawed human. So we'll see. <laughs> we all are. So <laughs> yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And I think, and, and that's why I think like, it's, it's so great that we're on in this journey together because we're so close and I'd definitely so helpful to have someone that that has gone through it or knows like what you're feeling and like your your what your fears are and and so I'm definitely grateful that I have you in my life so that we can have these conversations and and I feel like you know we're not alone in this absolutely and I think we both married into extremely tight-knit families Um, one huge family but then also two very strong families on their own And I'm so grateful for each member, but something that's so special about you that I love about our relationship is just what you said, like we're in the same position in the family, right? So you and I are the only ones that are sort of of in that other boat. Like we feel all those things too, but we're feeling it from a wife's standpoint, which is a little bit different. And so I too am so grateful for you that we can communicate, that we can share ideas, articles. Um, Did you try this? Did you try this? Like even in quarantine, like, oh, I found wipes, get them here. Like, cause we know we're wiping down our groceries. Like you and I are in two households that while Ryan and Matt's journeys are so different, there are some common elements. And so I feel like you and I can always share ideas. I know you're always there. Even with the time difference, like you're always there. I can always count on you. And that's really so special because Ryan and I always say like it's so insane that three of them have CF in this family but it's not like one person who's like 
holding everything in or like having the burden of like navigating this journey they have they have each other and because Ryan and Matt have each other you and I have each other so like it just continues the support continues to grow and we become stronger as a unit and I think that's so key is community yeah definitely I think what I have learned from CF is I was always like a private person and I think what it's taught me is to reach out and to um, it's okay to kind of tell other people what's going on in your life. And, and I'm so blessed that I'm super close to uh, my sister-in-laws, Matt's sisters, and then my, my brother's wives, that they, they have become my support system. Like Meg and Katie, they've grown up with CF and, and I go to them and, and I know that they know how I'm feeling because obviously they, they love Matt too. So when I'm struggling, they're struggling. And, and just to have people that you can just let, like sit at a bar and just like cry it out because we're all feeling the same emotions and it just helps. It helps so much. And so I'm so grateful that they're some of my best friends and I have them to go to because that's so important. I think it's very easy to kind of lose yourself a bit because you're always, you know, like you're always worried about, or I'm always worried about Matt or, um, you know, and then like the stresses of your other daily functions and responsibilities, right? So for me, I'm recently learning how to take care of myself because I, I, I feel like I finally understood that I can very easily burn out and that's doing a huge disservice to Matt. And so like, what do I need to take care of myself so I can be like the best partner, the best work you know just the the best version of myself and I think that's when it becomes important to have people that will call you out when they feel like you need time to to be by yourself or or to to do something other than focus on CF because I think sometimes especially when Matt's at his sickest like CF is the focus so it's it's trying to find ways um and for me it's looking more like um going to yoga or um or doing like massages or, or just stuff that I feel like I can have just like an hour of like peace and reflection and then I can regroup and then come back like stronger. Absolutely. Um, what are your ways? Yeah, it's hard. And I'm just like over here nodding along to everything you're saying because I feel <laughs> like you're just like speaking my language. This is just like exactly how I feel. You know, illness and disease can be very isolating, I think. And there is a tendency to feel alone and to like be in your own thoughts and where you and I do have anxiety and we do internalize a lot of what's going on. I think that's so hard. So I admire you so much for, you know, doing that introspection and saying, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, CF is not going to be, it's not just like I have to power through to get to this one finish line. It is far away. And so we have to pace ourselves because you can burn out so easily, I think. And so to my first point about being, you know, it's very isolating. I think community is huge. And I think you having your sisters-in-law on both sides be there for you and understand. And they're truly there. Like when we're freaking out, like you said, like Meg and Katie, and I know with Johnny and Mary, like they've known this for so long. So if it's new to us and we're freaking out, they can be like, okay, slow down, girl. Cause like we've been through this and it's going to be okay. And this is what you have to do. Having those people be there for you is so huge. And then you know, it's okay to ask for help. I think that's sometimes hard for people to do. And I think like, because you're so strong and independent, you probably don't want to like share, ask for help. So I think that's great that like, sometimes you're learning, like, I have to, I have to let people in because otherwise I'll feel so alone. And then as far as like taking care of yourself, I know I'm like a broken record with this. I always say this, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I always am saying and like reminding myself, and I'm so glad that you do the same is like, I have to restore myself so that I can be that person. I can be like ready to battle with Ryan in the hospital. Like I can't go in really like weak and like weathered and like, you know, just like frail version of myself I have to be like strong and so how do I do that same as you like I'll get services whether it's like facial massage when my mom comes it's like all about services and like doing all that sort of self-care physically and then emotionally I just love to like talk about it I know I talk to you I talk to Ryan I talk to family members and we go deep you know and you can like tell each other those deepest fears because we've all sort of had them and so I think talking about it and getting it out and doing like sort of that brain dump and getting it out helps me a lot being creative helps me a lot hence the podcast um I need to have sort of like that outlet and my mind needs to be busy so that I don't spin out of control 
And then physical, but also mental, because it's connected, is Pilates. I like that to be like my Zen time because it's made a huge difference. You know, like I feel like when I go there, I'm like connecting all the parts of my body and mind. And that's probably like what yoga does for you. And I think we need to do that. Or like you said, we'll just completely burn out. So I think that's key to take care of ourselves because caretakers often pour everything into the person they're caring for and hardly ever pour back into themselves. So we always have to, well, we'll like hold each other accountable for that. We can like remind each other to take care. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, I like that idea. So I know you said CF has taught you a lot. Well, first of all, you just learned a lot of actual information, scientific information about CF, but it's taught you, you know, the importance of communication, patience, resilience. What else has CF taught you? Yeah, so I, I think that it just puts everything into perspective. I think when you go through so many difficult things, like you really do appreciate life and you understand how fragile life is so little things that you argue about I mean you we still like Matt and I still argue because we're human beings but (laughs) but I think we find ways to quickly solve them because we just know that there's just so much else going on that we just need to be on the same page and so we just really resolve things quickly and I think because we have gone through so much with you know losing Jeff and um, recently losing my dad to um, Alzheimer's and dementia, I think we've already had to like deal with so much that it's created this like safe place or or safe space within our relationship. Like we 100% trust each other because we've already battled so much and we've already gone through so much that I know that when life gets tough, Matt's going to be there for me and vice versa. So I think it's just allowed our our relationship to become stronger because of that. What are some of the things that you feel like CF has taught you? Yeah, I mean, like you, I saw Jeff and met Jeff sort of in his glory days. I mean, I did see him go through his third transplant, but I mostly saw him in those really healthy years. So I think what CF has taught me as far as physically just knowing the three boys is that people can be so quietly strong. They could be battling something inside that no one else really knows much about. You can be private and battling. And I think they taught me like the importance of resiliency and determination. So they taught me a lot just by their living example. And then I know within my household, I've learned so much from Ryan about life as far as like not complaining. That's a big thing about Ryan. He does not complain. And sometimes I feel crazy. Like, you know, you kind of want to complain about little things because like you said, we're human. But he really has a way, just by his living example, he teaches me sort of like what's important in life. And, you know, he always says complaining is literally not going to get you anywhere. Like if you walk outside and it's hot and you say it's hot, it's not going to change the weather. So it's like literally a waste of breath. And when he puts it in those terms and because it is a lung disease, when he says like a waste of breath, I feel like I can really like physically, visually see that. Like, oh, he's literally not going to waste his breath about things that don't matter. And so... It's like many layered, like I feel like he physically doesn't want to waste his breath, but also like figuratively, don't waste your breath on things that don't matter. Like don't sweat the small stuff. Don't complain about little things. And like totally to your point about arguing, of course we also argue as well. But yeah, you just squash things so much sooner because there's no point. You don't want to go to bed angry and and life is so fleeting and life can be so short as we've seen sadly with Jeff, with your dad. It's just life can be so short and we're only here for this minimal amount of time. So like just make it count. I think that's another thing too. And Ryan also, you know, by because he is an actor and because he is chasing this dream as extreme or as far-fetched as it sounds maybe to other people, I admire that so much about him and he makes me want to chase my dreams and however big or small or unrealistic they may seem to others, like he just lives totally out loud and he just moves full force ahead without worrying about what other people think. And he's taught me that because I sometimes have a tendency to like worry way too much what people think. And so while I'm still learning, he every day as an example teaches me like, don't worry about what other people are doing, like live your life and and live your journey. And I think that's, you know, taught me, CF has taught me that through Ryan. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like with Matt, I'm, he's definitely taught me how to be really patient because I think I get so worked up sometimes that's just like my nature I'm a very type a personality and seeing how Matt is and how he handles situations and how calm he gets it makes me calm and so I think that it's so important to have um, I always say like he just he makes me such a 
better person because of all the stuff that he's had to endure and and his traits and I attribute that to to having CF and all the stuff that he's gone through and witnessed so I definitely draw from him all those qualities especially like living with someone and and when you kind of start to reevaluate yourself I think that's one of the reasons why I love him so much is that he continues to like challenge me and obviously makes me better yeah Totally. And it's so funny because you and I are the same, like we're planners and like, you know, if we're planning a vacation, we like to plan every little detail. And I think CF has taught us both like you can't plan too far ahead. You have to be prepared for cancellations. And these are just the little life things that CF has taught me, like just live in the, live in the day, which is really hard, right? Because like, you want to plan and you want things to be special. But like Ryan always says, like it's special when we're just home, like it's special when we're just healthy. And I remember when he was on that, like, merry-go-round which I pray we're off now of the hospitalizations every three months I'm like this new med has been so amazing but I just remember that really taught me a lot because when we weren't in the hospital anything negative that happened that I might before have freaked out about I'm like at least we're not in the hospital like it really puts things right into perspective it does I know and and I feel like before yeah before CF before like really experiencing Matt at his sickest like you you do tend to take things for granted and, and seeing everything that Jeff went through. It's just, it does it like, again, puts everything into perspective because I've learned that just because moments don't happen the way that you see them, doesn't mean they can't be as beautiful and, and as fun. And, and so I, I think it's just, it's taught me to, to relax more and just enjoy the moment and experience life because you just never know. Yeah. That was beautifully said, you know, the moment might not be as you imagined it, but it can still be beautiful. I think that's like a beautiful sentiment. And if everyone had that perspective, everyone would be a little more grateful and a little more appreciative of those little things. And I think, you know, we didn't know Jeff as long as either of us would have liked to have known him. But I think, you know, just from the stories we hear and the time we did have, I think we've learned a lot. And then I think a lot of those similar qualities are in Matt and, and Ryan. And that's why those three are just like, super special. So should we end with like a little message to the three boys? Yeah, I actually met Ryan, Jeff and Matt all at once for the first time. And I think just from the very beginning, we kind of all like clicked, I feel like we have the same humor. Ryan makes me laugh a ton with like all like the little things people don't see. I feel like (laughs) I'm always like laughing. So then I'm the crazy person because no one has seen it. And then with Jeff, with his sarcasm, and I just think Matt's like the funniest person ever. And so I just really want to thank Ryan and Jeff for really accepting me into the family. They make me feel like a sister, feel like a cousin. And I'm just so, I just feel so blessed and honored to know them, to learn from them. And I just love them. For Matt, I just want to thank him for making me feel so loved, for teaching me all these new things about life and perspective and then I just want him to know that if I had a choice to do this all over again that I wouldn't a heartbeat with him so beautiful well I only met Matt and Ryan at the same time in college but I remember thinking like wow like if this is Ryan's family like if Matt is any representative of the family then I'm gonna have like this great fun life and you know it did not disappoint just like you I feel so close not only to you but also to Megan Katie to Ryan's siblings, Johnny and Mary, like I just feel so grateful for the whole family. I, I love the seven cousins. I feel like they are just like a beautiful unit. And I feel like you and I getting to marry into it and add to it and the other family members that marry in, it's like really a special, special gift. So I want to thank Jeff and Matt for being Ryan's source of strength and connection for his whole life because they're like in that little club that I always describe. Um, for the same thing, welcoming me and treating me as part of the family since day one. Matt and Jeff are strength and bravery personified, and I love them both very much. And then to Ryan, I would like to say that I love every part of you, and that our love story is my favorite. Bliss to me is just sitting on our sofa laughing, and just like Cloud Atlas, I would find you in any lifetime and in every universe because you are my person, and we belong together. Thank you for being all that you are. I love you, Chi. And Sandra, I want to thank you because you are such a source of support for me. And like I said, we are in the same boat. And I really just couldn't do this without you. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) When your legs don't work like they used to before. 
And I can't sweep you off of your feet Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? Darling, I will be loving you Baby, my heart could still fall less 